Talk Radio 96.7, a Friday afternoon. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's time for Ask the Preacher, your opportunity every week to have your Bible questions answered. It's brought to you by Believer's Fellowship Church, located on North Socrum Loop Road. Ask the Preacher with John Freed. John's out again this week. Sitting in is George Locke. Hey, hey, welcome back, everybody. Another wonderful Friday. It is great to be here. Uh, I am in the studio again with Jim, and we are going to do something a little bit different today. I mean, normally we kind of have conversations back and forth, and we we talk about a particular topic. Today we're going to try to answer a bunch of questions. Uh, This is a call-in show. If you want to call in, Give us your comment. Give us your question. It is 863-682-1430. And uh, you can call in and we'll give you the right answer to your question. But uh, we're going to go through. We we have some questions that we're going to try to tackle. And I want to set the ground rules real quick for everybody. So you could take a simple question like, why do good things happen to uh, bad people or bad things happen to good people, you know, and you could talk four hours about that and and give all kinds of Bible verses and examples. So today we're going to try to answer as many questions as we can. So we're going to move a little quickly. Here's what I would encourage you to do. If we say something like the Bible says, and then we go on and quote a Bible verse, uh, we're not going to necessarily read that on air because we have a limited amount of time. I'd encourage you to listen to the program and then you can just Google, you know, no greater love does a man have than he lay his life down for a friend. Put that into Google. It'll bring up the chapter and the verse in the book for you. So with that being said, the phone number to get your questions answered is 863-682-1430. And we're going to start out with a big question, the big, big question that everybody always asks. And that is, there's so much suffering in the world. If God is all-powerful, if he is all-knowing, and if he's all-loving, why do bad things happen? And so I will give my quick 30, maybe one minute. We'll say one minute answer for that. First of all, it depends on what you mean by all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-loving. God has limitations. Oh, I might offended some Christians there. God does have limitations. The Bible makes it very clear that God is not a man. He will not lie. God cannot violate his nature. He is love. He can't do anything other than be love. So there are some limitations that God puts on himself. So technically, not all-powerful, right? Also, is he all-knowing? Sure, he knows everything. But there's a difference between knowing everything and then causing something to happen. A very coarse analogy for this is if I am in a helicopter above the city traffic and you're in a car driving in that traffic, I know three roads down, you're going to run into a traffic jam. I'm not causing the traffic jam. I'm not impacting it. I just know what's going to happen in your timeline because I'm outside of your timeline. You can only see what's around you. So yes, he is all knowing, but he doesn't necessarily force things to happen. And then finally, is he all loving? Well, it depends on uh, how you define love. And the Bible defines love, the greatest love this way. It says no greater love does a man have, then he would lay his life down for a friend. And last week we talked about uh, you got to be holy as God is holy. And to be holy, H-O-L-Y, you have to be holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. You have to be completely about God and about others, selfless. So God is powerful enough, but he won't violate his nature. He won't violate his word. He is all-knowing, but it doesn't mean he forces 
uh, certain situations to occur. And he is all loving, which means he is selfless. So with that being said, you now have to ask, well, why do bad things happen? Because he is all of those things. It's very simple to understand. If I love my children, I'm going to let them grow. I'm going to give them freedom of choice. I'm going to give them guides and rules and boundaries to help them grow. But I have to let them grow. It's, they're not robots. In order for them to love me, they have to have freedom. The big, big point of it is this. God is love. In order for there to be love, to be selflessness, there has to be some way to execute that selflessness. And so it's, to some people, you might think it's paradoxical, but it's just a reality. In order for him to be love, he has to have the opportunity to be selfless. And he absolutely was selfless to the point where he, the creator of everything, humbled himself and had nails driven through his hand, hung up on a tree, stripped down naked in front of Mary and his disciples and soldiers and the whole community looking upon his beaten naked flesh. He humbled himself that much. He was so selfless that he was reckless of his own well-being for your sake, for my sake. And so, yeah, he is all-powerful. He is uh, all-knowing and he is all-love. And that's why we have freedom of choice. We have the ability to choose to be like him, to be selfless, or we choose the opposite, to be selfish. And because of our choice of selfishness, selfishness, that's why things happen in the world. That's why bad things happen. Yeah. Uh, there are natural calamities. Weather goes haywire. People trip and fall. These imperfect things happen in this fallen world. But generally speaking, most problems are caused by somebody else's self selfishness. And that's a nice segue to, to last week when we talked about forgiveness. <laughs> I'd encourage you to go back on um, askthepreacher.com. If you go to askthepreacher.com, you can submit your questions there. You can listen to previous episodes. You can go to uh, talk 96.7 or 14.30 a.m.'s website and see previous uh, radio programs for Ask the Preacher. But uh, last week we talked about forgiveness and, and why that's important and how we do it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, any thoughts on that question, Jim? Well, bad bad things happen because of sin, and we violate God's nature uh, because God is good. Uh, the The essence of of God is goodness, um, and so the the question I'm asked often goes along with the question uh, that you just explained. Uh, people ask me, "Well, if God is all knowing, all loving, all powerful, why did He allow sin in the first place?" So the answer to the first question is bad things happen because of sin. So why did God allow sin? Well, you had mentioned that God never violates his word. He never violates uh, his nature. God is love. And without choice, without free will, there could be no love. So in order to answer this question, you can't violate the foundation of faith. When you ask the question of God, if God is, you're violating the principles of faith. So instead of asking if God is all-loving, all-knowing, all-powerful, the question should be a statement. Because God is all-loving, mm -hmm. all-knowing, all-powerful, he allowed sin in the first place. And people say, well, how, how does that happen? Well, because he's all-knowing, he knows everything from the beginning to the end. Like your example of the helicopter above us, God sees 
from the beginning to the end. He lives outside of the timeline that he created. And uh, because God is all-knowing and because he allows free will, because his nature is love, he knew that somewhere in the, if you could put eternity on a timeline, right, somewhere from beginning to end, someone would make the wrong choice and they would choose sin. And God devised a plan because he's all-loving and he's all-powerful and he's all-knowing. He devised a plan to eliminate sin without eliminating free will. I'll explain that a little better on the other side of the break. We're going to go up to a break. The phone number to call in, 863-682-1430. Get your questions answered. See you in a little bit. Let's get back to more of Ask the Preacher with John Freed. John's out tonight, but sitting in is George and Jim. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Just a reminder, the phone number to call in, 863-682-1430, if you need your questions answered. And right now, we got a caller on the line. We have Alex. We're going to take your call. Alex, what question do you have for us? Hey, how you doing? Um, so, you know, when, when I've, I've been reading the Old Testament, and when I, when I read scriptures like in Joshua um, chapter 1, verse 8, and I'm just curious about the context, it's, it talks about, it says, keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And I was just curious about in their time, in that context, like what what books did they have? Did they have like the first five books of the Bible or was it a separate book just written with laws, you know, uh, like, a, like a list or did they actually have all the stories of Genesis and, and, and Exodus and all that? That's my question. That's a good question. And the answer is a pretty lengthy, but we'll try to keep it short. First of all, there are some books in the Bible that actually predate Genesis. For example, the book of Job. Job yeah. Many scholars think that it predates Genesis. Job, we believe, is inspired by God, by God's Spirit, and man wrote it. So it's, I guess, possible that they had some of those uh, scriptures. But specifically, it's talking about the book of the law. And the book of the law is the Torah, which is the law that was given to Moses by God directly when Moses was on Mount Sinai. So when it, he's saying in Joshua 1.8 to keep this book of the law, he's referring to the law given to Moses by God directly on the mountaintop. And uh, we now are supposed to still keep this book it's written on our hearts. Uh, when Christ died and uh, he took our place as the sinner on the cross, he gives us the ability to repent and receive his nature as a man who is in right standing with God. And he, his nature is one that has the law uh, written on, on the heart. And so uh, the, the question is, yes, it's the, the, the first five books, the Torah, the law that was given to Moses. I, I hope yeah. that answers it. And in keeping the law... Um, Jeremiah tells us later in Jeremiah chapter 31 that God promised to uh, that through Israel and through Judah that he was going to um, uh, bring a new covenant to all mankind because Israel and Judah had broke that first covenant. So Jeremiah uh, told us that he was going to give us a new covenant where his law, which was written on tablets of stone, would be written on, our, on the fleshly tablets of our heart. 
and that the law was going to change from a, a external um, uh, temporary law to an internal spiritual law. And in keeping the law now, we keep the law now uh, by our nature. When we become born again, uh, the Holy Spirit comes to reside inside of us, and he leads us into all truth. He starts to change our spiritual DNA, and we desire now to keep the law. And uh, it, it, the law becomes uh, part of who we are. And so it, it becomes our nature then to keep the law. Uh, Paul told us uh, that before uh, Christ died on the cross and resurrected and ascended, that the law was a schoolmaster, it was a taskmaster, to, to show us that indeed, uh, in and of ourselves, by our own works, we could not keep the law. But that um, uh, it told us of a greater law that we needed, and that's the law of grace, of God's grace. And uh, so we have a new uh, covenant now where the law is written on the fleshly tablets of our heart. And we keep it now uh, because it's our desire to keep it. It's our nature to keep it. George? Uh, I hope that answered the question for you, Alex. Uh, it was a good one. I liked it. And uh, as far as how do we determine these things, you know, this could be a seven-hour radio station about the uh, historical records kept and, and how for thousands of years rabbinical, uh, you know, rabbis and the priesthood was able to keep these books and uh man that's that's a big story but there's so much evidence for the uh what do you want to call it the accuracy of the history of it i mean you, you, things like the dead sea scrolls matching yeah. what we have in our modern day you know books of the bible you know it's uh so that's what he's referring to is the law given to moses so thank you for the call appreciate it that was a, that was a good question we're gonna uh go on to the next question here which is are there different different degrees of sin hmm. so maybe another way to ask that is are there some sins that are greater than others and i'm going to start this out by i'm, I'm a stickler for context and detail sin first of all the bible very plainly describes what it is sin is violating god's law uh, sin is not just making a bad choice or, as a lot of Christians like to say, missing the mark. That's not what it is. The Bible clearly defines it. It says sin is the violation of God's law. And so we have to first of all define what that law is. And uh, if there is no law, then there is no sin. If there is no sin, then there is no Savior. If there's no Savior, then there's no need for the church and Christians and all that stuff. So with that being said, we, uh, we're going to try to tackle this in the next two minutes. Are there different degrees of sin? Absolutely. Uh, the Word of God makes it clear that not only are there different degrees of sin, uh, there's different degrees of reward uh, for our works. And we could talk about the Bema Seat uh, and the Judgment Seat of Christ, and that's a, that's a judgment of rewards. But um, yes, there's definitely different degrees of sin. Um, and sin, the different degrees of sin, brings not only eternal punishment, but will bring judgment um, not only to individuals while we're living here on earth, but actually there are certain sins that bring judgment to civilizations, to society. Um, there are certain sins uh, that God lists in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. And he says there's six things that God hates, and the seventh is an abomination to him. And he lists these sins. Also in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 18, <clears throat> there are sins 
that bring judgment to society, and God lists them from degree of sin. And uh, he starts out with, you know, um, they were going into this Gentile land where the nations there um, were worshiping demonic beings that, that brought them into all kinds of idolatry. And with that idolatry, there was all kinds of sexual sin. And Leviticus 18 is one of those chapters where it's kind of hard to read it because it talks about some really gross sin, some disgusting things. But it says things that, that uh, bring different degrees of judgment from God. And it starts out with um, incest, then it talks about um, adultery, then it talks about you know um, shedding innocent blood, and all the way to sodomy and homosexuality, which brings judgment on nations. I guess the a real world analogy, or just kind of bringing it into a, a modern day picture, is God's law, the Torah, is kind of the constitution of His kingdom, and mm-hmm. we have a constitution in in the United States, and it's the law of the land. Mm-hmm. And just like you don't get punished for stealing a candy bar, you know you don't get capital punishment. You don't get executed for stealing a candy bar. But if you commit you know, murder or some kind of atrocity, then you might get the death penalty. So there's different degrees of punishment based on the severity of breaking the law. And we're going to tackle this a little bit more in depth when we come back from the break, and we're going to answer some more questions. If you want to call in and get your questions answered, it's 863-682-1430. See you after the break. And now let's get back to more of Ask the Preacher, your weekly opportunity to have your Bible questions answered. Your host is John Freed, but he's not in this week. Sitting in is George Locke. Welcome back from the break, everybody. Just a reminder, if you want to call in and get your questions answered, the phone number is 863-682-1430. We were talking just before the break, are there different degrees? Are there are there some sins that are worse than others? Are there some sins, and again, sin is breaking God's law, are there, are there some things that uh, will bring, for example, a judgment on the nation. And uh, just before the break, we were talking about the seven things that God hates. And uh, I think we got some, maybe some some information, some opinions, some Bible verses about what the abomination is. And this disclaimer, this is going to be a hard one to, to address. There is a sin that brings judgment on a nation. And... Uh, there's three of them. There's one that I'm thinking of that is a hot topic debate of the day. Um, well, maybe two of them. First of all, one of the things that God hates is hands that shed innocent blood. And, yes. and we have a holocaust of babies murdered every yes. year. Six million babies murdered every year since 1972. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's just, whew. How, well, do you, how do you answer for that? We're going to dive a little deeper. we got a caller on the line. I want to uh, go ahead and get their question. So, James, what question do you have for us? Well, I think I was interested in listening to what you had on that topic, but uh, I was going to wait until you got finished with that before I started mine, but uh, mine was pertaining to the Gnostic Gospels. Okay. And the question I have is a very basic one, but it's important. Uh, whenever we po- people read the Scriptures, they read the book of Jasher, is written in Scripture. It says, is it not written in the book of Jasher, like the mm-hmm. use of the bow and stuff like that? Well, if you're a common-sense person, you would say, okay, let's look into the book of Jasher, just like the Bereans did, and understand, is it so? Yes, it is so, because it's written. But the book of Jasher is not inspired 
inspired. It's not meant to be inspired. It's just meant for historical context. So, so what is the question? Are uh, these valid books? Or what, no, what's no, the no. Question? The, the book of Jasher, I would consider being a only one of a Gnostic that would be considered valid because it is written in Scripture to look it up. Would that make sense? Sure. I'm not sure what the question is, but I'll do my best to, to tackle the uh, general no, but, like, for example, question of, are like, there extra-biblical books? And there, there are extra-biblical books, we understand that, but sure. why is the book of Jasher written, mentioned in Scripture if it's not inspired? Sure. So, a couple things. You used the term, and again, I'm a stickler for details, you used the term Gnostic Gospels, and that, I believe, is uh, referring to actual what people would call Gospels, for example, the, the Gospel of Thomas. Correct. That, that's, that is, uh, to the best of our current scholarly knowledge, is a book that was written well after the first uh, church age, if you will, well after the uh, 12 uh, apostles were long dead and gone. And so those types of books um, are generally not considered to be any kind of canon or inspired scripture because, one, they typically, depending on which one you're talking about, the Gospel of Judas or the Gospel of... They contradict other scriptures, so we know that they're not inspired, they're not in alignment with God's character and the rest of the, the Bible. And also they uh, come much later down the road. Now, you do have other books which I call extra-biblical, biblically-endorsed, synchronized books. That's a big way to say it, but let me give you an example. You have certain books like... Jasher's, Jubilee, and Enoch, which are quoted in the Bible. For example, Peter quotes Enoch, and even the Messiah, Yeshua Jesus, quotes uh, phrases of Enoch. And so they are not currently in our—let uh, me—well, i got to preface it with this. This is a big conversation. There are some canonized Bibles. For example, the Coptic Christians in Ethiopia, which are some of the oldest Christian communities in the world— they have books like the Book of Enoch in their Bible. But in our modern King James-inspired canon, which was canonized in 1611, it doesn't contain some of these books. For whatever reason, those particular uh, scholars decided to exclude them. However, right. these books like Enoch, Jasher's, and Jubilee, they're referenced in the Bible, they're quoted sometimes, and in my personal opinion, I think they are valid scripture. Some people would disagree with it. To that extent, I say, you know what, the, the Bible requires us, the Holy Spirit requires us to have unity in spirit, not necessarily unity in thought. So uh, can you get some insight out of these books? Sure. Uh, do I think they make a lot more sense for especially end-day prophecies with books like Enoch? I think they do. Um, so it's up to, I think, individuals to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling, as uh, Paul tells us, and to do their own research. You know, the Bible tells us to, uh, to not be ignorant, and it is the uh, pleasure of, of God to conceal a matter and the glory of uh, kings to search those things out. And so I, I think it's worth uh, some extent looking into that, but never losing the true focus of the entire Scripture, which is Jesus, right. Yahweh himself becoming our sacrifice and redeeming us for the violation of his law. So does that help maybe answer some of the, the questions or thoughts you had about those oh, extra-biblical... I, I agree what you're saying. As far as me talking about it, though, as far as I w always would look at it as a historical view viewpoint, 
instead of an inspired viewpoint. Because, for example, in the book of Jasher, it's interesting to know that, let's say, for example, the flood. In the, in the scriptures, it clearly shows that it took 120 years, then God told Noah to build an ark. Well, wood cannot last for 120 years if it's been cut. Sure, and, and James, we appreciate the call, and there's a whole uh, probably years worth of, of uh, radio shows we could do on these I, different I books. I enjoy listening to your comment on that. Well, thank you very much, and we appreciate the call. Uh, yeah, I don't, do you have any thoughts on these, uh, what, again, I would call extra-biblical, biblically-endorsed, synchronized books? I think we can, give, um, we can give credence to the ones that are quoted in Scripture, um, the ones that Scripture refer to. Um, others, I would, it, it may be a, a scholarly uh, adventure to look into them, but you have to be careful, um, first of all, uh, to, like you said, keep everything centered in Jesus. And secondly, you know, some things just become dividing points for the body of Christ. And of the, of the six things that God hates in Psalm 6, the seventh, he said, is an abomination. He says, one who causes division. So we have to be careful um, to to uh, be able to agree to disagree on some things, yep, yep. Uh, and agree doctrinally, you know. Yeah, and it, it, you know, we were talking in the break uh, on some points that we disagree on, uh-huh. but we keep the, the the reality is, and Corinthians, First Corinthians, make this pretty clear: we are one body. Some are hands, and some are feet, and it's referring to spiritual gifts. And uh, but but the point is, even in our unity of spirit, we don't have to have yeah. unity or uh, conformity of thought. Maybe is the better way to to phrase it. Uh, so where one person might disagree with the uh, the existing charismatic move yeah. of God and the speaking of tongues, uh, one might say yes, it still happens. The other one might say no. Personally, I think it does happen. I yeah. personally speak in tongues. I, I believe in the charismatic move of God. But if you believe that Yahweh, Yeshua, are the same God and, you know, Jesus died on the cross and he is the only way and we receive his nature because he crucified our sinful nature, we're one in Christ. then we're one in Christ. We have unity Amen. in spirit. We don't have to have conformity in thought. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah. I, I like those and, books. And, I, I and Paul them. warns us, too, about the superfluity of, of, of naughtiness. You know, sometimes the enemy likes to muddy the water um, just to get us to start questioning God's word and God's character. It's what he did with Eve. You know, he said to Eve, did God say? You know, there's things that God didn't tell you. There's, there's things that you ought to know about that God didn't reveal to you because you're made in his image, and if you just have the knowledge, well, you can be just like God. You can be your own God, you know. And um, Lucifer brings division uh, he speaks half-truths. He speaks things that sound right, sound good, uh, but they go against God's total counsel and God's, uh, God's character. You know? So we just have to um, be careful in those discussions. So <clears throat> here's the next big question on our uh, topic. We, we talked about how kind of a, because God is loving, because he's all-powerful, why do bad things happen? We talked about some extra book books. We talked about, uh, are there some sins greater than others? The next big question that we have is, are there still miracles? Why don't they happen today? 
So uh, I have some thoughts on that mm -hmm. and some reality that's not a reference to a specific verse, but but it's a more of a history lesson on the Bible. So the Bible is comprised of 66 books in our you know, Western King James canonized mm -hmm. Bible. Uh, and when you look at these books that were written by uh, 40 different authors over thousands of years, you got to keep that in mind that they're written over yeah. thousands of years. So when we hear miracles like Elijah, Elisha, we see, you know, axe heads floating on water. We see people being raised from the dead. Well, sometimes there was a great expanse of years between one miracle and another. So yeah. we're going to dive a little deeper into miracles. Do they still happen today? Why do they? Why don't they? How do we define a miracle right after the break? If you want to call in and get your question answered, it's 863-682-1430. We'll see you right after this break. But now let's get back to more of Ask the Preacher with your host, John Freed, brought to you by Believers Fellowship Church on North Socrum Loop Road in North Lakeland. John's out today, but sitting in are Jim and George. Welcome back from the break, everybody. Again, the phone number to call in and get your questions answered is 863-682-1430. Just before the break, we were discussing miracles. Do they still happen today? Uh, you know, what causes them to happen or not happen? And, and so uh, my wife and I were talking about this the other day. There, there were a couple of incidences that happened. And I just asked her the question. I said, you know, maybe those things that happened, they're seemingly coincidental, but maybe they're not coincidences at all. Maybe what most people excuse away as just a coincidence is, by all definitions, a miracle. It is the supernatural occurring in our natural world. And uh, but part of me thinks that, you know, that's probably a majority of people who think that miracles don't occur. Uh, it's because they just excuse things away with coincidence and they ignore it to some extent. And there's some other reasons miracles don't occur. For example, there there are biblical references where people who did not believe in Yahweh, did not believe in God, miracles occurred to them. People who were counter to God and against his will, Balaam and his donkey, a miracle occurred there uh, when he was outside of the will of God. And there's also examples where people who were in the will of God had miracles occur. So, um, you know, Ecclesiastes says it rains on the, the good and the bad. It, it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous like. And so uh, God, kind of going back to the first segment, he is powerful. He is loving. He is knowledgeable. And so he does work out to draw men's hearts to him. But specifically on the topic of miracles, let's start with the first question. Do they still happen today? Y yes, they do. Yeah. And you might say they don't, but I can give you an anecdotal uh, example, I put a skill saw through my foot less than a year ago, and it cut through all the bones and all the tendons, and it cut through all the way down to the last uh, little bit of flesh there. And I went to the orthopedic surgeon, and they said, well, Mr. Locke, we don't know how to explain it, but the surgery's already been done. Uh, yeah. Your tendons are back, your bones are, are healing up fine, and there's nothing we can do for mm -hmm. you. You've already uh, seemingly had the surgery. And that was like three weeks after I put a saw right through my foot. So... Uh, it does happen. But again, that's anecdotal. Yeah. Some people wouldn't believe that. Jim, give me your thoughts on miracles. Do they happen? Why don't they happen? Go. Yes, they do happen, uh, but they have a specific reason. They have a specific purpose. The reason Jesus performed miracles 
was to confirm that he is who he said he is. Um, and Jesus told his disciples to go preach the gospel to all the world. But he told them, before you go, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. And when the spirits come upon you, you will receive power mm -hmm. to be my witnesses. And the power that they received is described to us in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14. And there are nine specific gifts of the spirit uh, that were poured out to the church. One of those gifts is the gift of the working of miracles. Now, there's the gifts of healings and other gifts, but the working of miracles specifically. Jesus told them that when they received this power, it would be power so that they could be his witnesses. Go out and be my witness, but you need a power to be my witness. So the purpose of miracles, as it was in Jesus' this earthly ministry, is to confirm the word that is being preached. It has a specific reason uh, for miracles. And so, yes, miracles do occur. Now, um, I'm, I'm a graduate of Reinhard Bonnke's School of Evangelism. Reinhard Bonnke would simply preach the word to millions of people and people out in the audience, uh, audiences that would stretch to, to the horizon. People were being raised from the dead. People were being healed. And he wasn't making a big show of it like some other uh, evangelists claim to do. It was just God was confirming the word that right. he was preaching yep. through working miracles. And yes, miracles do occur. Now, reasons that we don't see a lot of miracles today is one, we don't understand the purpose of miracles. We don't understand why they're performed. Um, we we um, try to go outside of God's purpose and will in seeking miracles. Uh, signs and wonders are to follow us. Sometimes we like to follow signs and wonders. Yeah, that's and, good. And, good phrase. I like that. Yeah, and, and, and the fourth reason is because we look for the gift without the fruit. And in the middle of his dissertation on the gifts of the Spirit, Paul warned us about the fruit of the Spirit was the most important thing. People don't walk in holiness. And when you don't walk in holiness, God is not going to pour out miracles. And that's why we don't see a lot. And half the church doesn't even believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. uh, the cessationists say those things are no longer relevant for the church. So they're not even seeking miracles. They say they have faith in a, in a God who um, is the same uh, in the beginning and to, to, to today and forever. They say they believe that he, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But in their practice, they really don't believe that. Yeah, that is uh, good insight, and I agree with uh, probably about 98.214% of that. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. So, again, we want to invite you guys to check out BelieversFellowship.com. Come join us Sundays, Wednesdays at Believers Fellowship. Come and experience God for yourself. Uh, go to AskThePreacher.com. If you've got questions, you can submit your questions right there on AskThePreacher.com. It has been a blast being with you this week. And uh, I think one thing that I got out of today's program is don't seek necessarily the supernatural miracles of God. Seek see him. Jesus. Yeah. Get intimate with Jesus. We will and see you see guys angels. next week, 5 o'clock, askthepreacher.com. Uh, again, today is... Uh, been wonderful we want more of you to call in so prepare your questions you got one week to prepare your questions and try to uh give us something good to talk about next yeah. week we are looking forward to it Thanks ask the preacher.com believersfellowship.com we will see you 